This is Daniel and Vicki Hagedorn for Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. As parents ourselves, we've had to deal with the same fears that every parent has. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. But we've learned how to overcome those fears by creating a map that has empowered us to parent with confidence. And this confidence is exactly what my wife and I want for every parent to experience as you reclaim your rightful place as the number one expert on your own kids. So we focus on time-tested principles any parent can use to give their children a childhood they won't have to recover from and to prepare them for life as the best version of themselves. This podcast is really just our way of paying it forward. And at PK4L, we're committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every step of the way. Of the way. So I am so excited to have my wife uh, with me. She's sort of guest hosting, uh, but it's just really great to have her uh, with me. She is uh, always, uh, always a joy in my life, and um, I'm so grateful for her. Um, she found a book that she actually turned me on to and a while back. And the book is by Peter, Caz- I always say his name wrong, Peter Scazzaro. And he wrote a book. He's actually written several, but the one we're going to take a look at, kind of like a, a book club sort of, but a podcast, is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And, you know, one of the things at PK4L that we talk about, we, we talk about this idea of 360-degree parenting. And within that framework is this idea there are five basic dimensions of human development. So there's spiritual, emotional, mental, social, and physical, right? Now, I'm going to suggest, though, that of these five, spiritual is by far the most important. In fact, the, the other four really depend upon how well our children navigate the spiritual dimension. And so we're just going to kind of take a look and explore this. And I wanted to, to bring my wife here because she's been you know really digging into this. And I think she's been able to pull so many great insights. We've had so many great conversations about just the things that she's learning in this book. So I wanted to ask you, honey, so from from your perspective, what's I mean? Again, I know we're going to be going into a lot more detail over time, but just in a in a general, you know, kind of forty thousand foot view, what is what is uh, Cesaro's take on like what is emotionally healthy spirituality? Like we think we know, we have probably have an idea of what that means, but what what is he really saying with those words? Great question. And I love this book. (laughs) I love this book. So I love the tagline of this book. It says, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Mm. And this, uh, I have devoured this book and I've actually... I know, um, I'm looking at all the lines and the highlights (laughs) and it's like, can you even see the print anymore, honey? You got so much writing and stuff in there. Yeah, I do. I mark up the books (laughs) a lot. Me too. Um, I mean, I'm a... (laughs) But um, if any of you all know me, you know that I teach grief recovery and I take people through a process of helping them get complete uh, emotionally. And everything about this book is exactly right in alignment with what we do in grief recovery. And I feel like for me personally, I've been a Christian for 24 
five something years, something close to that. And it was when I went through grief recovery about 16 years ago that I feel like my relationship with God really transformed. And I think it's because I talk a lot about how grief recovery is a course in emotional maturity. Yeah. And it's about learning how to process your emotions and not run from them and not numb out from them, not go to addictions, all those things. So I believe that what he's talking about in this book is that you have to grow emotionally in order to thrive spiritually. You have to. Yeah. You have to deal with your past. And um, and I that's, love... I mean, that's like one of those things that it makes so much sense. Yeah. You go, how come I didn't think of that before? Yeah. I mean, it's very... It's very obvious once you say it out loud, but how many of us really think that way, live that way, you know, go through life that way, show our kids how to do life that way, right? Yeah, that's very true. And I think that it's so key because if you don't deal with your past, and a lot of people will go, why do I need to dig up my past? You know, I'm, I'm moving forward. And if you don't, then what happens is you are forever, the way that you perceive life, the way that you react to life, the way that you're easily triggered by life, um, you have really no hope of changing those things. And you mm. can take spiritual platitudes and scriptures and kind of put them on top of things like band-aids. But when life happens... The way we respond is what our experiences have taught us, not what the theology that we've learned or the scriptures that we've memorized can teach us. Because when push comes to shove, we kind of go to what our experiences have been. And those those things pop in our minds like, this always happens this way. God's never really there when I need him. Or things happen for other people, but never for me. I'm just not enough. I mean... You know, the, that's, those things go on and on, right? Yeah, I think that's a really, really critical point that a lot of Christians don't, um, they don't really get um, because experience does trump theology, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I mean, I'll just give you an example. You know, if, if you're listening to this and you're a person of faith, I mean, have you ever read a, a scripture in the Bible and knew what that scripture meant and then uh, went against what that scripture said? Yeah, me too. Why? So clearly theology wasn't enough to overcome the experience and attached to the experience is the belief. And that's kind of what makes it so strong Mm -hmm. is that it isn't just you had an experience, it's that experience is confirming what you believe. Right. So if you believe something about God or yourself or other people or how life works that's distorted, then you are going to have a, your experience, I should say, is going to distort your thinking and your perspective. Right. And and you're going to be in a sense creating a truth for yourself that's actually not not true. And and that is when a lot of pain and a lot of anguish and suffering, I think, enters. But that, I, I love what you said mm-hmm. about the experience and how, which by the way, is why I believe God is constantly calling us into an experience with, with him. him so that 
our experience can be aligned with him and with his truth, and then we don't suffer the pain of those distortions. And I think that when you are able to go through something to heal and to get complete with your past, then your relationship with God really begins to flourish because you're able to actually receive his love and receive um, everything that's happening. Because sometimes God loves us through the things that we don't get or don't experience um, because he's protecting us and it's easy to not see it that way. So um, so I want to talk about the um, this first chapter in here called The Problem of Emotionally Unhealthy Spirituality. What is the problem? And uh, it says, Christian spirituality without an integration of emotional health can be deadly to yourself, your relationship with God, and the people around you. And I love that. Um, I just recently was talking to a friend who was going through a really hard time. And... Um, it's an interesting thing. Her son is studying the Bible right now. He's a teen and he's, you know, wrestling with the big truths of the Bible. And they're going through a really hard time and she just lost her job. And she's devastated and it's a very scary time. And we were talking about how it's not a coincidence that these things happen um, at this time. Because if we're going to show our kids a life of fear and that God is not a provider for us... We're, we're teaching them practical atheism. Yeah. Really. And it's like the biggest thing that we were praying over and we, that we could do for our kids is to even through the hard times to rejoice and have faith in him. Yeah. Okay. Now that sounds awesome. Right. <laughs> but we know that that is not easy to do. Right. Exactly. And it's amazing when you have... Um, when you have... Uh, Things that happen in your past that you believe that these things always happen to you, it's really difficult to break through that and step out and say, I'm going to trust God in this and I'm going to believe that he is going to provide for me and to pray together as a family and to do those things. So I wanted to look at this chapter. We're going to start in chapter one called The Problem of Emotionally Unhealthy Spirituality um, and uh I'm excited to jump into this because the goal for us is to grow in our experience of Jesus and not merely add to head knowledge about him. So we know head knowledge, like we said, it, it isn't going to uh, sustain us when we're going through things. Yeah, and I just want to be be clear. We're not suggesting that knowledge isn't important. Right. We're, we're just saying that the, the experience uh, outweighs the knowledge. Right? If knowledge were enough, all we'd have to do is just go to theology school and we'd all be good. Um, so we're not, I, I just want to make it clear, we're not, we're not just saying that knowledge doesn't matter or isn't important. We're just sort of trying to draw a parallel and a contrast between how knowledge has typically been used and viewed versus experience and, and why experience is so important and crucial in in our, our walk with God. Yeah, that's really, really true. Uh, and I love how this author, he's he speaks very vulnerably and openly about his own walk and how at 
uh, a point. He, he says here um, that the reality was that my discipleship and spirituality had not touched a number of deep internal wounds and sin patterns, especially those ugly ones that emerged behind closed doors of our home during trials, disagreements, conflicts, and setbacks. And I was stuck at an immature level of spiritual and emotional development, and my present way of living the Christian life was not transforming the deep places in my life. And at, at a point in his 17 years of being um, a pastor, he almost lost everything, including his wife, um, because of being emotionally undeveloped. Um, and sometimes we can believe that becoming a Christian and the power of Christ can break any curse, and that is true. But sometimes we we don't think that we need to go back and realize how our our home life growing up has shaped us and how it has set us up to really um, navigate through hard things without God. And it's usually a crisis that will hit that will have us go back and understand um, how those things are shaping us. It takes a crisis sometimes to do that. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I think, too, that the crisis point is where a lot of the – it becomes like a tipping point yeah. for us uh, spiritually, emotionally. Um, M. Scott Peck, I, I, who I love, uh, he – in, in the road less traveled, he says the tendency to avoid problems and the emotional suffering inherent in them is the primary basis of all human mental illness. Wow. I mean, that's how, that's how deep this, this can run. Yeah. Right. If, if we don't deal with these things, then our kids will. Yep. And, and if we can't do it for ourselves, yeah. which hopefully we can, hopefully there's enough love for yourself and appreciation for yourself that you would. But if you can't do it for yourself, at least look at your kids and make a decision. I'll do it for them. Right. And then hopefully you get to the point where now you love yourself enough to just do it for you, you know? Absolutely. And it's interesting that you bring that up because really what we are talking about is generational. Yeah. It's definitely generational. And it's interesting because what we have to understand is that all of us, all of our families are marked by the consequences of the disobedience of our first parents described in Genesis 3. Yeah, Adam right? and Eve, yeah. Going all the way back. And that includes shame, secrets, lies, betrayals, relationship breakdowns, disappointments, unresolved long longings for unconditional love. And this all lies beneath the veneer of even the most respectable families. Right. On the outside, all of this, we, we, we have uh, that um, generational, these curses, right? That we, we have divorces in our lines and um, adultery in our lines and all these different things. And so how do we make it different? Um, how do we do that? And uh, it's interesting, too, because I think that for a lot of us, I know my early walk in faith and in church there was even talk from um, the pastor, I remember saying, you know, that people that are in church shouldn't be going to therapy or, or getting any kind of counseling because Jesus is, you know, you just got to keep plugging away and moving forward and studying the Bible with people and putting yourself out there. And the interesting thing is, and I love how he brings this up because he says, 
the emotional aspects of my humanity remained largely untouched for the first 17 years that I was a devoted follower of Christ. They were rarely talked about in Sunday school, classes, small groups, or any church leadership settings. In fact, the phrase emotional aspects of my humanity seemed to belong in a professional counselor's vocabulary and not in the vocabulary of the church. And I think mm-hmm. that this is so sad. Yeah. It's so sad because we um, have so much uh, that we can tap into in our relationship with God of healing. I mean, that's where we get our healing. That's the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, exactly. we receive the Holy Spirit and that's, you know, I, th- I think... You know, uh, in your life, in my life, that's one of the things that I've seen is that the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us a little bit at a time, as much as we can handle, as much as we're willing to embrace, but He will. And that's kind of the powerful thing of everybody wants to know that change is possible. Everybody wants to have the hope that no matter how bad their situation is, things can actually be different. I think everybody lives with that hope. Mm -hmm. It's just not everybody finds that hope in God. That's true. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's powerful. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that, and it's, it's kind of what makes it so sad is when people have such healing power available to them and they do not avail themselves of it. Right. They, for whatever reason, maybe they're, they're, their wound is preventing them. Maybe, maybe they're just, they really don't want to change. Maybe they really, maybe they're afraid. Maybe, who knows? I mean, there's any number of things in the human condition that can prevent us or stop us from really embracing that, that healing. But how sad when it's available that people would brush it aside or, or ignore it or, or worse, not even be aware that it's available. Absolutely true. And I think one of the saddest things is how that's perpetrated by the church yeah by the church like uh, western church yes by the western church exactly because and i love this that he says in here um this is what happens this is what usually happens and what's focused on in church more bible study that'll change us no it's get deeper levels of community small groups that's going to do it well remember we need the power of the spirit this only comes through prayer more time in prayer We've got to schedule prayer meetings. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. Um, These are spiritual warfare issues. The reason people aren't really changing is we've got to confront the demonic powers, apply scripture, pray in Jesus' authority. We've got to worship. Worship, that's it. Um, Remember Christ's words in Matthew 25, 40. We need to, to give to the least of these brothers. We need to just serve. We need to get involved in serving. Um, And it goes on and on and on. We have to help people understand the grace of God. It goes on and on, but it's it's not about what we do. Um, like we talk about sin management and try harderism and all these things. Right. It's not about all of that. There is biblical truth in each of these perspectives. And, and I believe all of them have a place in our spiritual journey and development. And I'm sure that you and I have experienced God and his presence through one or more of these in our walk with Christ. Right. Absolutely. All of them. Right. Um, But the problem is that we find that something is missing and the spirituality of most current discipleship models only often adds an additional protective layer against people growing up emotionally. 
that's really sad when you think about it. Yeah. Well, if you're taking each of those things out, and and essentially he's talking about a scenario where each of those things is presented as the silver bullet. Right. Instead of part of a whole, right? In other words, he's saying each of these things is being presented as the whole picture instead of a pixel of the picture. Right. And when people do that, then then they are. They're they're now they're just sort of relying on something that halts and limits their growth all in the name with the best of intentions, by right. the way. I mean, people don't do these things because, you know, they're they don't care or, or they are not trying they they do it with the best of intentions, but right. when they elevate any one of those things above everything else and it almost becomes like a god. Right. And so then that's a false god. It just has a spiritual cloak around it, so it's more acceptable right. in church circles. But yeah, it's just interesting. It's an interesting observation that he makes with that. Yeah, and it's interesting because he says when people have authentic spiritual experience, such as worship, prayer, Bible studies, and fellowship, they mistakenly believe they are doing fine, even if their relational life is fractured and their interior world is disordered. Their apparent progress then provides a spiritual reason for not doing the hard work of maturing. And we can be deceived because we're doing all the church stuff and we're going and we're, we're, you know, part of a group or part of a serving thing. But if we're not growing emotionally, then it it can be what you just said. We can, we can think that we're somewhere where we're not. Yeah. Um, And that's. I, I think um, that's a very dangerous place to be in some ways. It's a very sad place to be. And I think it just, it, but even these issues, I mean, we, we could spend a lot more time on this, but, but we're, we're going to need to end here. But um, we'll continue the conversation because I think that, uh, that Peter Scazzaro really, um, there are so many things that he touches on that mm-hmm. really, uh, they've needed to be talked about for so long, and and he does it in a way that's uh, very loving and very gentle, but but very firm. And I just I appreciate that balance in him, and I appreciate this conversation, and I look forward. Thank you so much for listening. There are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there, and you chose to give us the precious gift of your time. Please check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources and click on the link in the show description to download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. Remember, we're with you every step of the way. Until next time, have a great day.